Sports fans, welcome aboard another awesome episode of Sing Second Sports. I am your host, John Schofield, former Naval Academy PAO, and joining me is Ward Carroll. Congratulations to Ward Carroll and his class of 82 classmate Dan Prue, otherwise known as the best hair at the Naval Academy Golf Course, for coming in second in the Member Member Fun Fest at the Naval Academy Golf Course this past weekend, and Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol, who wrote a fantastic post-game uh, wrap of the game at SMU. So before we get into that, let me just break down some sports headlines really quick. NFL, basically the main thing to take away from that is after the games, cornerback Marlon Humphrey of the Ravens got COVID. Uh, the uh, Green Bay Packers backup uh, running back, Dylan, test positive, gets COVID. Um, a lot of other facilities getting shut down, a lot of other thoughts that players and coaches have COVID. So obviously that's a huge takeaway from a pretty action-packed NFL weekend. Also packing the action over the weekend was not only interesting college football games, including one that Clemson almost lost uh, to Boston College, but also um, a lot of brawls, including one that really I thought made Dan Mullen of the Florida Gators look really dumb. Uh, basically going full Donald Trump and trying to uh, stir up the crowd to uh, to cheer on his players during a brawl. Um, pretty unprofessional. And then contrast that with uh, the class and, and the good spirit and goodwill of Kenny Matalolo, our head coach, who just completed his Zoom interview with myself and Bill Wagner, who is very gracious and can't say enough about a team that continues to struggle continues to have to do new things on offense, and then continues to lose people on the defensive side of the ball. So without any further ado, let me shoot it over to Wags. He wrote a great, uh, he wrote a great uh, summary of the game at SMU, which again, we lost 51 to 37. I'll let Jimmy the Greek, when we bring him on, talk about the uniqueness of how it landed on that number at the end of the game. But Wags, you know, if you can summarize the article for the listeners, you know, what did you see as the main crux of the matter that led us to that 51-37 defeat? Well, the biggest issue was the defense took a big step backwards and could not stop SMU. SMU scored, um, I believe it was eight straight possessions, seven touchdowns and a field goal. So this one's on the defense. Um, the offense actually produced its best outing of the season, both in terms of points and yards. Now. What I did write about was that what Kenny Niamatololo and offensive coordinator Ivan Jasper did was not, on the one hand, it worked. On the other hand, it does not bode well for the future, in my opinion, because it meant abandoning the triple option. And Kenny, you just heard him say, when I asked, are you going to continue down this road? He said, we do have to find a better blend of called plays and option. So he admitted that they cannot go down this road. I saw Chris's uh, tweet, which I agree with hundred percent that it's not a winning formula. It's a competitive, stay competitive formula. Um, we all know Navy is their identity is triple option football. And if 
they are not going to run triple option football. It's not good. So uh, this was a one game shot. They felt in this instance, as they continued to try to improve the option game, that they would go with the scripted plan. I liked a lot of the plays. So, I mean, and I think many of these plays can be incorporated into the offense um, here and there, you know, sprinkled in, if you will. Uh, I like that little inside give the, I call it the pocket handoff for inside zone rushing play to the slot back. Uh, that's a way to run the inside zone without the quarterback doing it, which is what Navy has done in the past. I like a quick pitch to the fullback where the slot back cracks back. I've always, always asked for more screen passes or other short passing elements. So again, a lot of it I liked, but the problem that we've been talking on this podcast about all season, the inability to execute triple option continues. And they ran a couple of triple option plays, and on one of them, it happened again. The defense shifted at the last moment. Dalen did not check out of the play, and he ran a play to the side of the field that the defense had just stacked. They had just shifted the defense to that side of the field, and that's why it went for a loss. So the the triple option execution continues to be a problem, John. You know, we, we obviously broke it down uh, during the game. Um, you know, Jimmy the Greek was extremely uh, active and awake during that period, uh, just for everyone's information. But the the concern is obviously around, and even even Coach Ken admitted the fact that, hey, you know, we, we know that the formula is not that we can throw it 30 times a game. But, you know, when you're down 28 points, you're not going to run, you know, fullback trap. Yeah, totally. Get it. Um, so, yeah, it goes to the defense and you've written copious amounts of words about the losses on the defensive end, um, you know, of which the latest is Diego, um, you know, Evan Fockman not playing anymore. You're just you're, you're just up against it. And it makes it very, very hard to make an impact. Ward, what were your impressions? Well, I think um, all of us were part of coaches psyop last week when he said there's just no way that we're going to go away from the triple option. Um, you know, Wags and others had asked him straight up uh, after Houston, are you, are you going to retool the offense based on uh, the, uh, what Dalen Morris's skill set is? And he said, no, we're a triple option ball club. Well, it turns out that he was just sort of uh, padding um, the battle space for the idea that they would, in fact, have this hybrid um, run and gun-esque offense happening. So I'm reminded of summer camp when you used to do a tug of war. So you guys remember tug of war, right? There was this one move where right when the tug of war would start, one side would just let the rope go and the other side would flop over and then you'd pull it and you'd win. You could do that once. So that was the opening series. We let the rope go and SMU was completely caught flat-footed literally with they were defending against triple option and we did screens. We did all kinds of passes across the middle. Um, we did everything but the triple option. I think there was only one triple option um, play called and Strauss will call us if I'm inaccurate here. Um, but uh, that was, they marched down the field. It was slick as paws and fantastic. Um, I think it was an eight play series wags. And, and so, and even the com the, the, uh, commenters on, on TV were like, I don't know what this is. I don't recognize this offense. I don't, you know, and 
but as the game went on, um, SMU figured it out. And, and so um, I think what we're doing is uh, sort of a, uh, a workaround at best. And uh, it's, it's not a winning um, formula for the talent pool we have uh, this season. So I have my doubts uh, going forward. And I think with the exception of this little bright spot with the initial series, the game pl- played out exactly as we predicted and as we analyzed it would. Hey, I'd like to hear from Chris on this since he's followed this closely. Um, did you like some of the plays that were incorporated and do you see those being helpful going forward or do you not like any of what you saw? No, it's, it's not a matter of like or dislike, but I appreciate you asking me that. It's not a matter of like or dislike. I, I am a believer in the triple option for Navy because of the ball control and because of the clock control. Um, drives that keep our defense off the field against um, more athletic, um, quicker, and in some cases more talented offenses, I think is a winning recipe. And so, yeah, I love the screenplay. I love, as you said, the um, the uh, the handoff to the uh, to the slot back. I love the you know the seven or eight post route or seven or eight yard post route, but. I don't think that the hodgepodge that we saw in the first three drives, I don't think that's sustainable for Navy. And in fact, it reminded me more of George Chomp football than it did of, you know, the Paul Johnson, Kenny Niamantololo uh, scheme that we've become accustomed to. Again, I have utmost respect for Kenny and IJ. They want to win. All of those guys on the team want to win. I mean, I'm all for whatever gets us to win. I just think based on the type of kids that we recruit, based on the type of coaches that we have, I just think that the triple option is the way to go. And I think the reason that we're not running it is, is because we have a quarterback who it it just doesn't fit his style. And so I'm still at the point where I say, hey, let's try somebody else. So Ward, let me kick it over to you for that, because I, in fact, had a Twitter exchange with one of our followers, one of our legions of followers uh, today, you know, basically saying, hey, you're not going to win until you change the quarterback out. And, and I understand that. We've postulated about the effectiveness of that. Um, I think it would be a disservice to Dalen, who, who proved, you know, through his work over the offseason and, and basically made Perry Olson transfer um, to take it away from him just to get reps uh, for a player who's going to represent you next year. I can also argue that in the complete opposite direction, too. So Ward, going forward, you know, what, what do you think is the best thing for the program? What do you think is the best thing for the players? And is winning, other than the Army game right now, really the ultimate goal? Or is it, you know, do we need to play this more like a chess game? Well, I th- uh, we've kind of had some of these conversations before, like just how do we prepare for next season? You know, do we just literally and figuratively punt on the season and – start to identify key positions for next year when hopefully we'll be back to normal where you can play spring football. You can have real summer practice and conditioning and, you know, full stands and BCS and everything else. Right. Um, Cause as we've said, infinite amount of times on this, ep- the show this season is there's a huge asterisk uh, on the entire thing. So it's a hierarchy of, of choices winning each game is is the number one priority 
right? You're so coach isn't like going, okay, I'll treat every game before army as just a way to sort of pulse the team and figure out how do we get posture to win army. You know, he's not doing that. He's like, okay, say, so how do we, what do we do to win this week by doing tape review and do, trying to figure out the, you know, the soft spots on any given defense and how you're going to be defended. And it worked in the initial series. It was brilliant. Right. And we're all going. And again, the announcers said as much like, Hey, he he's going against the what he's got here and and innovating against the skill set, which is the guy's got an arm. He's not quick to the edges, not going to run the triple op, uh, option. So they're figuring out a way to win. That's what good coaches do. So I think there's something to that. But you hit up against the limits of that when you still lose uh, in, in massively like we did against SMU. Um, would it have been worse had we not attempted something other than straight stick triple option? Probably, right? Because as we've already diagnosed, um, this quarterback, this offensive line, these backs are having trouble this season executing the triple offense or the triple option. So what do you do? I, I think you got to keep doing this hybrid. Um, and 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 it's where we are in damage control mode. Um, but as you look at the schedule from here on out have we won our last game uh you know who who can we exploit doing the same approach offensively that we did to smu it is it, it's not memphis i can tell you that is it tulsa um i guess we'll figure that out later in the week but um uh, this is the best of a bad situation right that's that's what we're doing to just cut to the chase um so that doesn't really bode bode well um going forward because you're not going to suddenly make um you know dalen uh good at where he's demonstrated he's not good with respect to the triple option um and i don't think the backups have got any prayer of of remedying that so i think coach has already said i'm going with dalen morris and we're going to figure out how to uh leverage his strengths and see what that yields covering my eyes before because when you asked chris to uh to opine about the game wags they're there are certain parts of the game that, that Chris didn't see only because like he might've gotten up and gone to the bathroom really fast or like, I don't know. Yeah. Just yeah, turned around really fast. Cause there was like lightning. You know, I slept long. through this. I slept through the fourth quarter cause it sucked. It was terrible. I, I saw the post game, <laughs> oh, whatever you want to call it. Instagram. That's a game they should have won. I mean, 37 points, you, you need to win. I mean, you, you know, we talk about it a lot in baseball, yeah. like whatever the number is that the offense should score and then you should be, you know, the pitching should cover uh, on the defensive side. Your, your offense scores 37 points, you, you should win. I mean, at least the offense is finding ways to use the talent. I, I just, I don't know, man. The defense really needs to uh, retool itself. And I get Well, they're injury-plagued, yeah, right, to but, the max. For starters, we're supposed to be a next man up squad. I mean, that's I, don't, I, don't I know, know, but there are I mean, limits they, to that. There are limits no, to that. You're, when, you're you, right. when you start you're getting right. into the tertiary guy in a key position, um, you're you're going to see the effect on the field. And I mean, Wags, yeah. you, you tweeted as much like these injuries are killing Navy, to paraphrase one of your tweets. Well, you I, I love that Jeff Van Gundy said during the NBA back when uh, – the Miami heat suffered key injuries. Then it's like, don't, I never bought into this next man up. Cause guess what? The next man, if he was better than the man before him, he'd be playing. I mean, 
you can't replace Diego Fago. You take him out of your lineup in the second half, and it's like a gut punch. So then the guy who replaced him is just – he's not as good. He, he's uh, 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 not even close to being as good. So it affects the whole defense. So, no, I but mean, if we, down two if cornerbacks. We, both of your starting quarterbacks, Caleb Clear and Michael McMorris, out. Uh, Tama Tuatelli didn't play the first half. He comes back, and Diego Fogo leaves. So it's just devastating. But you're right. I mean – no excuses. The defense has to play better, regardless of who was on the field. That was still a very poor performance. I agree with Chris on that front. But to war- towards point, last thing I just want to say, I mean, when he says, have we won our last game? I, I think it. you have what you have on offense. I mean, uh, it, it, you know, it sort of is what it is. I think if there is a hope of, you know, rattling off two, three, four more wins or however many games they have left in addition to Army, it's going to, the defense is going to have to be what, what steps up. I mean, I think we're seeing the best we're going to get out of the offense. I don't feel like we've seen the best we're going to get out of the defense. I think the defense has more to give. And if they do that, then they have a chance to win. If they don't, I mean, it's going to be a long couple weeks. Very true. Very true. And um, love the breakdown. Uh, the great thing about our wide receiver core right now, but it gets right back to what we're talking about. A quarterback is, you have all of these huge wide receivers. You know, here's Devin Matthews, six foot three. Uh, Michael Cooper, like six foot five. Um, you know, the, the other guys, Walker, everyone. Like the, the shortest wide receiver getting any run right now is six foot one. You know, I watched the Denver Broncos, you know, score 28 points in the second half on a pretty darn good LA Chargers uh, secondary and not a single one of their wide receivers is over six foot one. So we have all of these really athletic guys. We asked Devin Matthews uh, who he compares himself to, you know, coming in and, and the first name out of his mouth is Megatron, you know, Calvin Johnson, you know, and so the, these are the athletes that we have on the offensive end. Are we wasting them wags? If we go back to, you know, a, a really effective Keenan or Malcolm like execution of the triple option, you know, because obviously this is a long time coming. We recruited these guys a long time ago. Did we recruit them because of their size to go up and get jump balls and corner routes in the end zone? Or did we recruit them to run block for fast Malcolm Perry types? Because it seems like now you have kind of tools that don't work with each other. Well, I think it's a combination. You recruit big receivers for both reasons. They're going to be more effective run blockers because they're so big and also because they're targets, they're big targets. I would like to see in a perfect world, a effective triple option game complemented by a nice passing game. And Kenny Niamatololo hired this guy, Billy Ray Stutzman from Hawaii to introduce some run and shoot passing principles. We saw some of that on Saturday night. And I think a, a passing game that is sprinkled in to a very effective triple option game is really keeps the defense off balance. But you know, I think we're all in agreement. It starts with being who you are and running the triple option. And that's your bread and butter. And that's what you hang your hat on. And if you've got a nice passing game to compliment, well, all the better. Yeah, this wasn't sprinkled in. It was the Top came off the salad dressing and and it was just gushing, right? So, you know, um, this goes, you know, I'm always romanticizing the Will Worth era, uh, but that's what we had with him. That's what we had with Malcolm. 
where you had this foundation of solid triple option and every once in a while you'd blow their minds by dropping back out of the shotgun or whatever. And it was very effective, but it, the predicate is a solid triple option. And now here's our conversation with coach Ken Niamatololo. I thought there were a lot of positives offensively coming out of the SMU game. Um, do you think, A, that you all may continue with some of the scripted stuff and design plays? I mean, you moved the ball and scored points as well as you have all season. Is that – were you encouraged, and is it something you feel you can uh, build on? Yeah, we just got to be careful. You know what I mean, Wags? It's the – we still – we can't get away from who we are too. You know what I mean? And so, option, you know, it's always got to be a part of our game. Like Aaron said, we um but we just got to be smart in how we do different things. Um, but I was encouraged. I was encouraged, you know, with our throw game. But like I said, you know, we want to be able to throw on our terms. You know, we, we, that's where we've known that we're always at our best when we can throw on our terms. And, you know, short, intermediate passes stuff. You know, a lot of our stuff are pre-designed to go deep if people are involved in the run game. But... I think some of that, some of our screen game, some of that stuff has added, helped us. But, you know, we can't ever get away from the option. You know, I mean, it's it's part of who you are and it gives us a chance to be successful. And so just that that blend obviously wags is what we're still looking for. And I guess it's kind of kind of what Aaron has to do. It's um we're still seeking, you know, for what's the best for our program, uh to help us win games. Still want to chew the clock, but you still got to move the ball and score too. You know, we, if you can hand the ball to the fullback five yards a snap, obviously we do that. You know what I mean? But to go three and out doesn't help you either. So um, we're still looking for that blend, Wags. But I always encourage Saturday. Um, but again, just being able to throw on our terms is really where we're set, successful. If we're forced to throw and trying to come at that's not what we want to do but I was encouraged that we were able to throw when we were forced to throw. Um, with regard to the defense, you're, you're getting depleted there. It's guys going out left and right. Are you getting concerned? I mean, it's just how many hits can you take? I mean, you a lot of starters going. And, uh, I mean, now you got Diego, McMorris, Caleb. Um, you know, there's a large contingent of, of starting players that are who are in question now for this upcoming game. Yeah, and, you know, losing, losing Evan, obviously, you wrote about him. That was a huge loss for us in more ways than one. He was a leader off the field, but he was a great football player. Um, you know, losing, obviously, some of our guys before the season was a huge loss. But a lot of teams have lost people, you know what I mean? And so I know nobody feels sorry for us because it's, it's been kind of that year. There have been a lot of people that have opted out in different programs, a lot of guys, you know, been injured just because of the shortness of the preseason and how to get ready. Yeah, we are depleted, but so are a lot of other people wags. And like I said, nobody's, you know, giving us a sympathy card. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Well, one other question, kind of oddball. Um, this is a noon kickoff, which I can't remember when the last time we had a noon kickoff in Annapolis. So it was probably like, early 2000s uh, before they switched to the regular 3.30 kickoff. And you've had some weird, you know, you, you, it's been a very odd season, night games, mid-afternoon games. But uh, 
How does that change your routine to kick off at noon? This is going to be completely different from the players here at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Yeah, we'll have to change a little bit. But like you said, what about what about this year has been normal? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's I mean, it's just been that. You know, what I mean, Wags, and it's yeah, we love our three thirty time. We love our fans to be there. We'd love to have the march on. We'd love to have a full crowd. We, you know, we feel like we're a tough team to be at home. Um, we'd like to be less injured, you know what I mean? But it's, um, yeah, it's just one of those deals. And so we just keep dealing with it. You know what I mean? Zoom calls, Zoom meetings. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And we'll just, we'll find a way to adjust. Every player that we talk to, including you, you're one of the most positive people I've ever been around. But the players, including Devin just before you, very positive, very good outlook. Um, I've noticed just as a sports fan, you know, particularly this weekend in the Florida, Missouri game, you know, there was a brawl in the, uh, in that game, there was a brawl in the Chicago bears game last night that there are a lot of emotions boiling over. Um, this has been a tough off season. You've lost a lot of leaders. You've lost leaders during the season. You just lost Evan Falkman. You know, what do you attribute the positive attitude to like, or is it, I, I assume it's not just it's not just a, a smokescreen that it's actually how the guys are reacting. How, how happy does that make you and how much credit do you give the coaches for really, for really giving them a good attitude, despite the fact that in a lot of people's evaluation, it's been a down season. Well, I think, you know, we got great young men that come from great families. Uh, you know, I, th I think that's first and foremost, uh, you know, coming to the Naval Academy is hard. So you build a re resiliency and, you know, you, be, you have to be a greedy person to come to school here. You have to be a tough person. Um, we always talk about, um, and I think the third part is our, the leadership of our seniors. And, you know, they have great um, perspective on life from Cameron Kinley, Miles Fells, Billy Honaker, Jackson Perkins. I mean, these guys are just, they've been great leaders and stay positive. We've always told these guys, too, that football is a great laboratory for life. I mean, there's going to be ups and downs, good and bad, um, high times, low times, sadness, happiness. And you continue to fight through it. You continue to stay together. You continue to persevere. And so, you know, there's, you know, this is, um, you know, the school prides itself in being the, the greatest, you know, leadership institution in the world. But there's only so many things you can learn in the classroom. I mean, I think going through these things, I always tell these guys that this will help them become better leaders as they lead sailors and Marines in the future and help you become a better father. There's going to be adversity between you and your wife, uh, and your kids, and you've got to continue to help lead your family. And these are things we talk about a lot, but a, a big part of it, John, is just we've got great young men. And now here's our conversation with sophomore wide receiver Devin Matthews of Palm Coast, Florida. Hey, Devin, John Schofield from the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Uh, first of all, my compliments to your hometown. I'm actually, ironically, coming to you from Palm Coast, Florida. I'm over hey. here, uh, on the Ocean Hammock uh, Resort, just over that little toll bridge that caused. Oh yeah, that, that's that's a nice area out there. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, it, it's it's definitely warmer than Annapolis right now. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you made reference to the size of the wide receiving core, and we've talked about this on the pod before. It's a it's a really impressive. Uh, you know, you you referenced it, but Coop at six five, Devin, 
you know, at 6'4". Now you got uh, Mitchell at 6'3", Mark Walker at 6'2". That's a really, really large uh, group of wide receivers and and a bunch of you are coming back next year. So how have you how have you kind of worked together to to optimize your size and and to try to make it a force multiplier out there on the football field? Um, for us, uh, when it, like we do certain drills where uh, you know we also do it in pregame where we'll get like some some jump balls or something. But I mean, we're not lined up against like RDBs. We do it with ourselves because we're we we're like the only group that matches up with our height. I mean, we got some tall corners, so when we when we go like Skelly or if we ever got to do one-on-ones, that would be good work too. But um, when we do the drills on our own, like we're, we're working on catching jump balls, I'm running down. I got Mark right next to me. He's, he's 6'2". That's probably the tallest corner we're going to see. So, I mean, we just work with each other really because we match up with each other like size-wise. What's it been like for you personally? Obviously, your plebe year ended very uniquely and – very interesting summer. Now you've got half of your classmates, I believe, still living over on St. John's and walking to class, right? So what yeah. how is that? You know, you you you've got a lot more playing time, you've got a lot more responsibility, and then you have this incredibly large elephant in the room, which is still the weirdness of going to school at a very tough institution, you know, with, with COVID going on. So Personally, for you, how have you handled that? Um, so with the COVID situation, we just, like, um, choose to do the right, like Coach always says, you know, do the right thing. Wear a mask, wash our hands, um, you know, keep six feet, do social distancing, practice all that so um, so we don't um, test positive and we keep playing. Um, with the elephant in the room part, I mean, we take that as distraction. So um, we got to keep what happens in the hall in the hall and then keep what happens on the field, in the field, and in the meeting room. So if you can, if you can find, if you can balance what happens in the hall and what happens on the field, then you'll um, you'll be you'll be fine. You just that that just eliminates distractions for you. So how I take it is when I get to the hall, you know, I'm focused on academics. I'm focused on you know social distancing with COVID and controlling what I can control. But then when we get to the field, it's all football. I can't let what we have going on in the hall affect me out there on the field. So, um, I mean, and that goes for the whole team. That's what, I mean, we practice that every day, even since, even the Napsters same, like when we came from Naps, we've been practicing it since Naps. So, I mean, that's how we handle that. Last follow-up uh, and then I'm done. So I, I'll be down here on the uh, 21st of November. I've already talked to Strass about it. I assume you got a lot of family who's <laughs> Google Maps thing from, from Palm Coast to, uh, University of South Florida, are you expecting a pretty good contingent there, being that they allow fans in the stands? Yes, sir. I, I'm, I'm already, uh, my mom's already told me that um, she she needs tickets. My sister, my brother's currently a, a student at USF, so he's going to get two tickets himself. And then I got family friends that have known me since I've been playing Pop Warner. They're coming. Uh, my own personal friends are coming, so I got to – yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a large crowd there for that game. Well, I look forward to being there. Uh, I think Bill Wagner's going to try to get there if he could ever stop playing golf. But uh, <laughs> thank you very much, Devin. Have a good week. No problem. Thank you. You too. Awesome yeah. <laughs> thing about Devin Matthews talking to him today. Not only – you know, I talked to him and I talked to Coach uh, about the attitudes, you know, because I, I, I am – I'm always – the sociologist in me is always noticing trends, particularly in the sporting world. Um, and I have noticed that during the 
last couple of weeks, but particularly Saturday and Sunday, there is just a lot of anger overflowing um, onto the football field. Um, there was a really, really nasty brawl between Florida and Missouri that I mentioned at the top, a terrible fight uh, between Mims of the Chicago Bears and one of the DBs for the Saints in, in the late game yesterday. Um, so we start to talk to Devin and, and Ken about, you know, hey, this has been frustrating. You don't like getting your tail kicked in. Um, at SMU, you don't like getting embarrassed by BYU at home to start the year. You don't like losing the Air Force at any time. And yet, you know, their heads have really stayed on other than a couple of really questionable targeting penalties. You haven't seen that come out. Um, Devin Matthews, for one, an extremely uh, positive force. And, and we enjoyed talking to him. And then did he go he to Matanzas High School? Yeah, That's where my kid's going to go. That's awesome. Great. That's great. <laughs> well, I'll just jump in real quick. He is the second player from Palm Coast and Matanzas High School. His dad is currently the head coach at Matanzas High School. He was an assistant when Devin was there, but you all remember big fullback Sean White, bowling ball fullback Sean White. He's another Palm Coast guy. So that was Sean, like H-A-W-N, not Sean, S-H-U-N. Got it, got it, got it. Um, yeah, so very, very funny uh, to, to have that mutual mutual thing with him. And he definitely said, um, you know, that his family, it's only about two and a half hours from Palm Coast to Tampa, and that his family and friends, they're all going to be in there in droves on the 21st of November when Navy travels to South Florida and Tampa to play them. So really nice conversation with Devin Matthews. Um, we're going to take it out. Uh, and when we come back, we're, we're going to give our quick hitters on what to expect from the Tulsa game. Uh, just a reminder that this is a podcast brought to you by Mills Fine Wine and Spirits in downtown Annapolis. Uh, we are nearing the holidays. And what does Election Day or Thanksgiving or Christmas mean to you? That means, well, at least for me, grabbing a bunch of bottles of wine. So do that at Mills Fine Wine and Spirits. Owned and operated by Jen and Jerry Donahoe, class of 94 at the U.S. Naval Academy. When we come back, we'll give you quick hitters on Tulsa. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at we sing second. That's at we sing second. Now back to the pod. So we're back. Um, thanks for sticking with us. Really great conversation. Obviously, we take um, you know we take the loss to, to SMU very personally. Um, I know I had predicted that kind of a scoreline and wasn't happy at all that I was right. Uh, Jimmy the Greek had uh, fourteen and a half, and the. Uh, under the under did not come through uh, the late Michael Cooper touchdown ensured that we only lost by 14. We, we don't like talking about losses. We prefer talking about wins. We all personally, um, you know, we, we have our own very unique reasons between the four of us for our love of uh, Navy football. And so we, we certainly hope that it gets back on track. And we remind all of our listeners that if there's anything uh, being offered as criticism or perceived as criticism, if it is criticism, then it's warranted. And, and we, we, we do want to be able to exercise our opinions and, and sound off as fans. Uh, but at the, you know, I hope everyone knows and understands that, you know, that we, we love and respect all of these players and coaches and want nothing but the best from them. Um, so with that said, let's look ahead uh, before we break down a really tough game against a tough team in Tulsa. 
looking ahead at the um, the slate for the American Athletic Conference, SMU, who went up in the standings, plays at Temple. You re- never really know what you're going to get with Temple, um, but that should be an SMU win for that. Um, a, a one in five South Florida team has to go to Memphis. You, you have to think that Memphis comes away there. Uh, Tulane and East Carolina, kind of another battle between bottom feeders in the AAC. And then you have a three and O Tulsa team in the American. Um, they are undefeated in conference against Navy at Navy Marine Corps stadium, a very odd 12 o'clock start as Bill Wagner will talk about, I'm sure. And then kind of the cream of the crop is the three thirty game with Houston visiting what I think is a Cincinnati team that that truly might play in the in the college football playoff. We'll see how that goes. And then, as everyone probably knows, the other service academies also play this weekend: uh, Air Force and Army. We wish them nothing but the best and a tie, resulting in a lot of injuries. Um, that's a joke. But Wags, if you can, um, what is your initial thought on um, number one Navy Tulsa? What do we have to be worried about? And then. What is your prediction on what I think is going to be a pretty entertaining Army Air Force game? Well, it's uh, was just talking with Coach Niamatololo about this. Uh, Navy's had Tulsa's number. Uh, they are 5-0 and against Tulsa in, during the time that both schools have been members of the American Athletic Conference. And what is interesting, uh, Tulsa has a pretty high-powered passing offense, and Navy's done a very good job of controlling that. Uh, you'll find when you look at the numbers that Navy's held Tulsa to 27 points or less in four of those five meetings, the lone exception being a 42-40 Navy win in 2016. Um, it's largely been because Navy has run the triple option well and kept Tulsa off the field, dominated possession. Uh, Tulsa's good this year. This may, may be, and Coach Niamat said on our little presser Monday that he thinks Tulsa's always been pretty good and just kind of been the hard luck program of the American Um but this looks like they've got it together. They're winning games now. They won in controversial fashion this past Saturday, and the American Athletic Conference made the unusual step of publicly declaring that a mistake was made by the replay official who overturned a fumble in the end zone that had been recovered by East Carolina. That that was overturned, and it was inaccurate, and that was the difference in the game. East Carolina is not happy. Uh, they, they got robbed. Um, going to be a tough game, as you mentioned, noon, which is very, very strange. Back when I first started covering Navy in the early 2000s, they had a regular noon start, but they went away from that. Uh, Chuck Gladchuck and the rest of the interplay determined that the fan base that loves to go and tailgate would prefer a 3.30 p.m. kickoff. They actually wrote that into their contract with CBS Sports Network, 3.30 starts for all Navy home games, unless it's picked up nationally and national television demands otherwise. And, um, but it's COVID 2020 and I guess everything goes, I don't know why this game's starting at noon. I have to guess it's television mandated, but yeah, it's going to be strange, but Ward Carroll likes it because Ward does not like to stay up late and he's had a couple night games here at home. And so this is uh music to the ears of one Ward Carroll. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with a noon start. Um, That'll get me to the early bird special at the fleet. Um, no problem. And uh, we'll be off and running. Um, no, you're right. You've, you've just captured it. Uh, noon was the standard when I first was on the chain gang. And then with the CBS sports deal, it became 3.30 as the standard. This year has been all over the map, right? From 
eight eight twelve to six thirty to now three thirty then noon. So luckily, I just live a half mile from the stadium. So tell me when to be there, and I can be there quick. Well, I'll tell you, as we talked about the Army Air Force game, you know, you want to talk about weird starts when when Ward is flipping over his very first first down on the sticks, Army Air Force will already be 30 minutes deep uh, as they start at 1130 a.m. at Mikey Stadium up at West Point. So uh, not sure why 1130 a.m. is the start time, but it is going to be chilly willy right there um, coming in off that reservoir. For those two service academies but you know seriously we wish them all the best you know for all you navy fans out there who don't know as the holders of the commander-in-chief's trophy we retain the commanders-in-chief's trophy if it ends up one one ties for all three teams so basically in order to retain we need army to win hold serve at mikey stadium on saturday morning at 11 30 a.m and then we uh, go up to mikey and defeat them in the army navy game in december that is how the commander-in-chief's trophy stays home uh, for your other viewing pleasure this week, um, until the next Mandalorian drops, uh, that Boise State team that injured the Air Force quarterback, they play number nine BYU, which will have uh, ramifications for the college football playoff. That's a 9.45 p.m. start on Friday night. So for your viewing pleasure. And then some really good games Saturday that you really have to say with or without Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson-Notre Dame game is really the must-see uh, TV. So um, it should be a very entertaining weekend. Uh, we'll bring you our pregame pod uh, either Friday or Saturday. Uh, we'll try to get some cool guests like we did last time, and we'll break down Tulsa a little bit more in detail. Before we go, um, I'm just going to give the floor to Bill uh, one last time um, because I feel like, yet again, we're, we're talking about Annapolis really losing a, a staple and, and a friend and and Bill, no one knew uh, no one knew Bob better than you. So go ahead. Well, thank you, John. Yeah, Bob Hoke, who was a longtime staff member of the Capital Gazette Sports Department, died unexpectedly Saturday night. He was only forty six years old. Um, Bob was the high school sports editor at the Capitol since uh, two thousand and fourteen. But I actually hired him in nineteen ninety six when I was the high school sports editor at the Capitol Gazette. I hired Bob as one of my part-time freelancers, and he was he was one of the best. He was so reliable, and you could always count on him. And uh, for about a decade or more, he was my sidekick for many a Navy game, which is why it's worth mentioning on this pod, because a lot of Navy fans would have read his work in the Capitol on Navy football. He was the, did the sidebars for Navy home games, and uh, we always did Army-Navy together. He would go up to Philadelphia. In fact, you know, there's, I posted a photo to my Facebook and Twitter pages of Bob and I celebrating in Philadelphia. I mean, that's the longest week of the year for me is Army-Navy week. I write about 18 articles and the three or four on game day. And by the time that day ends, I am ready to let loose. And so Bob was always right there with me as we uh, went crazy in Philadelphia on Saturday night after Army-Navy. But uh, yeah, Bob will be missed. He was a good guy. He did a good job covering high school and college athletics for the Capitol and uh, really did sad to lose him so young. 
Couldn't have been said better. Sing Second Sports Team has your back as always, and and we send out our our thoughts to the Hope family for their loss. Uh, it, it again is not just a loss for them; it is a loss for the entire community and the Naval Academy. Uh, as Bob did a very good job in in further propagating the message about the uh, physical mission, which we're trying to do now. So, for Bill Wagner, for Ward Carroll, and Chris Cervello, I am John Schofield. Until Friday. This is Sing Second Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.